Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. How many have if I only would haves in your life? Or am I the only one that's made mistakes in the past? I have one that is, it stays with me and it's been with me for 30 years. And I remember on our one year anniversary when I got married, we went to Nags Head and we were talked into buying a timeshare. Okay. I was young and dumb and stupid. And every around Christmas time, I have to write a check out for the dues. And there was years we didn't even use it. I was living in New Jersey. I was a youth pastor. I didn't have time to use it. I tried to give it away. I tried to sell it for a dollar. No one will even buy it because they're wiser than I am. But I got to pay those dues every year whether I use it or not. And so it's kind of this little thorn in my side, okay? And, but that is a, man, I wish I would have known then what I know now. But we have all those in our lives. So it gives us warning and instruction of what will happen based on what we do today. Uh, and it does it in simple, powerful ways. Um, it says the Lord despises those who acquit the guilty and condemn the innocent. I love this one. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. And I love watching on those videos where you, you know, if you're on YouTube, one will come up and it'll say cocky fighter gets taught a lesson. OK, and you watch it and it's two people getting ready to fight. And that fighter, he's like up in the guy's face and he's flexing and he's making fun. And the other guy, he just stands there like this and he's just taking it all in. He's up in his face. He doesn't flinch. And, you know, the bell goes off. They go fight. And the guy who was cocky is knocked out in five seconds. And you're like, good for him, right? But that's, that's what it is. You know, pride come before a fall. But humility, you know, brings honor. Uh, I love this one. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Isn't that true? I mean, so true. People blame others for their bad decisions and they blame God for it. Well, God's like, no, you're being foolish. I've shown you wisdom. You're just not following it. So God gives us his wisdom, which is Jesus Christ we're going to see today, so that we can embrace wisdom, so that we can avoid the if-onlys of life. So the question is, are you foolish with your time? Are you foolish with your money? Are you foolish with your talents? Are you foolish with your relationships? What I have found in my own life is that when I have problems with those areas, I'm following worldly wisdom and not godly wisdom. But if I follow godly wisdom, even though it's difficult, those areas will improve in my life. Or I'll have a hand on them. They will not control me. You know, no one ever says at the end of their life, I wish I spent more time at work. I've never went to a graveyard and saw that written on a stone. I've never seen, I am so glad I missed all my kids' events. Because they grow up and they're gone. You know, I, 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 my daughter leaves for college on the 18th. It's just, I'm not looking forward to that. I'm in denial, you see. But I'm glad that I spent so much time with her. But there are times where even when I was in ministry, ministry robbed me from that, you see. Even a good thing can become a bad thing. And I've learned that, you know, I'd rather cheat the ministry than my family because I'm with my family for life. I'm so glad, you know, they, they never said this. I'm, I'm so glad I wasted my life serving my own needs rather than the needs of others. See, when you get to the end of your life, will there be regrets? Probably. We all will have them. But you can diminish them by the wisdom of God in your life. 
Take salvation, for instance. There are people who've followed the wisdom of the world and reject the truth of Jesus Christ. They reject the gospel of Christ. They reject that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And hell is full of people who say, I wish I would have, if I only would have, but then it's too late. But for those of us that are saved, I mean, there's some people come to know Christ at an older age and without, you know, pretty much all the time, if you talk to someone who's done that, they say, man, I wish I would have accepted Christ earlier. I wasted so many years of my life. And for those of us that are saved, I was saved when I was eight years old and I lived like the devil till I was like 20, 21 out of ignorance, following the wisdom of the world. I was saved. My salvation was secure. But see, I wasn't following the wisdom of God, and it brought problems into my life and strongholds into my life. God loved me. He was gracious. But now I have to, even today, I deal with some of those mistakes because I made them because I wasn't following God's wisdom. I was following my own wisdom. As I was praying and thinking about what God would have me share with you today and kicking off this collection, it's not so much... What wisdom is, it's who is wisdom. Wisdom is Jesus Christ. So the title of the message is Embracing Wisdom is the same as Embracing Jesus. You know, we think of Proverbs, we think wisdom, we think that it's the, you know, the ability to, to use knowledge in the right way. Um, that's the practical definition of wisdom. But it means much more. True wisdom is actually a matter of the heart and the mind. And wisdom is a spiritual matter. And the Bible describes two types of wisdom in the Bible. And I'm going to show you how Proverbs is in sync with the New Testament because the Old Testament's all about Jesus. You need to get that in your mind. And Jesus made it clear, and he, he, he said, it's all about me. So there's two kinds of wisdoms. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Verses 13 through 16 talk about the, the worldly wisdom. It says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good deeds, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. What? From God, from Jesus. But if you harbor bitter and envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. That's what we see in our world, worldly wisdom, disorder, evil practices. It's rampant. But it says in verse 17 through 18, wisdom from God, it says, but this is the transition. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who show, uh, who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's hard to find today, isn't it? But what do you want in your life? See, Proverbs gives a picture of both of these wisdoms throughout the whole book of Proverbs. So if you were to look at wisdom described here, which is, you know, God's wisdom, it's described in Proverbs as a lovely woman who calls people to follow her and to embrace her into a life of blessing and success. And the worldly wisdom is described as a wicked woman of folly and foolishness that leads to destruction. There's two paths. 
And for the unsaved, if they follow that wisdom of the wicked woman, it's separation from God for all eternity. But for the saved, it, as I said, it robs us of all of God wants for us in our life. Our salvation's secure, but we don't live the abundant life that God has for us because we're missing the wisdom of God. But either way, guess what? It's regret. It's, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. You want wisdom? You don't get it from anyone but Jesus Christ. And I want you to write this down, my note takers. It is impossible to have a real wisdom apart from a personal relationship with Christ. You can't have it. It's impossible because Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians tells us this in verse 124. It says, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, this is written to the church, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the wisdom that we seek is only found in Jesus Christ. You know, the New Testament describes Jesus uh, in many ways, but he's eternal, he's the creator of all things, and he is the beloved of the Father. Scriptures make that clear in the New Testament. But you know what? The Old Testament says the exact same thing about Jesus. Because if you insert Jesus in place of wisdom, you see the picture of Jesus. It's all throughout the Old Testament. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 8. So on the 8th, you should be reading Proverbs 8 for your proverb a day to keep the fool in you away. So when you get to that on the 8th of this month, I'm going to give you some insight. I'm not going to go in great detail of it, but I'm going to break it down for you. Wisdom is eternal. That's in 8, 22 through 26. Jesus is the eternal wisdom. And if you read it, it says, For the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. So he's eternal. I was formed long, uh, formed long ages ago at the very beginning. And it just goes on to explain how he's eternal. When there was no water or depths, I was given birth. And that's what Jesus is referred to as before time, before everything, because he's God. Then when you get into Proverbs 8, 27 through 29, it shows him as the creator. It says, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when they marked out the horizons on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely uh, the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries. All the cre- Jesus was there. He created it. And he's also the beloved. Proverbs 8, 30 through 1 we know that Jesus was called what? His, God said when he was baptized, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It says, then I was constantly, verse 30, at his side. Jesus always was and always is because he's God. So wisdom is Jesus Christ. So in reading this, you, you think immediately of John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God. And all things were created by him. It's the exact same picture. You know, when Jesus died and rose from dead, he appeared to the two walking, and they had their heads down because Jesus was crucified. And he's like, why are you so downstraught? They, and he didn't reveal who he was. And then as they walked, he says, he expel, expounded to them all of what Scripture said concerning himself, which was all the Old Testament. I would have loved to heard that. I would have so many awesome sermon illustrations if I'd know everything in the Old Testament about Jesus. It's amazing. You know, the dictionary defines wisdom, though, as is the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. But I want to give you two definitions, biblical definitions. As I was studying this, I came up with two, so I'm going to give you two. The first one, I would define it as this. I would define wisdom as the ability to live in the right relation to how things actually are. So a lot of times we live life based on a false understanding of the world around us, false truth, whatever, things aren't 
the way we don't see them the way they really are, so we make bad decisions. Proverbs is a great book of wisdom because it gives you the ability to live in right relation to how things actually are. And that's given in chapter one. If you read through chapter one, it just says, you know, this is the book of Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel for gaining wisdom and instruction. It says for young people, for those that are wise to gain even more understanding, to have all these things. It's found in chapter one. But I would argue the best definition of true wisdom is simply this, to yield your life to Christ and obey him. You want to be wise? Yield your life to Christ. He will never fail you. He's got your best interests at heart. He will teach you all things because he created all things, sustains all things, knows all things, and he sees things as they actually are. He has complete understanding. And notice I didn't say a smart person. Notice I didn't say a well-educated person. I know a lot of educated fools. And, you know, I believe in education. I mean, I went to college. My son went to college. My daughter's getting ready to leave for college. I'm going to be paying a lot of money for her to go to college. So I hope she gets something out of it. But, you know, all the education in the world won't make her wise. It just make her a smarter fool. You see? And he had a professor in college, Dr. Kim. I actually looked him up when I was going through this online. I found something. He was speaking at some place a few years ago. Still as sharp as a tack. Uh, his testimony is amazing. He grew up in North Korea under communism. He was beaten as a child because he wouldn't go to the schools that was requiring them to go to school during church day for Christians. They'd ask him in the school, are you a Christian? And, they, and he would say yes. And he said when he shared his testimony, this thing I spoke, there was like seven or eight of them, and it dwindled down until he was the only one, and he was beaten for his faith. He'd have to almost crawl home from school. And he said, he shared the story of his, his mom. She said, what happened? And he says, they beat me for my faith. And his mother was like, good for you. Could you imagine that? And he was so smart. He could speak eight languages. If you ask him anything, he could tell you book and chapter and verse. And I mean, his mind was just scary, especially as a you know, student in college. But I remember him sharing with us. He says, education is good, but too much can become dangerous. And he went on to explain the tendencies become self-reliant to depend on your own thinking, your own reasoning. Knowledge and understanding is only useful when it's filtered through the word of God and Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about that. Jesus, who was speaking truth and speaking wisdom and the multitudes followed him as long as he was providing what they wanted. Food, dividing the fish and the loaves and the, you know, and, you know, healing them. And, and Jesus was speaking, and it was probably thousands. And then he began to preach the truth of who he was, what it meant to follow Christ and to pick up your cross and to eat of his you know, flesh and drink of his blood. And says, this is hard teaching, and they all left him. It'd be like me preaching and all of you just getting up and leaving because you, know, you just didn't like what I was preaching. It's an amazing picture, but it speaks to this about wisdom and knowledge. Because the 12 were still there. And Jesus looks to them and says, will you leave me also? What a sad moment. And Peter, he says, to whom shall we go? You and you alone have eternal life. Amazing. And what did Jesus say? This was not revealed to you by men, but by my father. Wisdom. But you knew who else was in the audience? The religious leaders. 
They memorized scripture. They could quote it. They knew all of it. They were educated, but they were not wise because they missed the very one that it was written about. So education is good, but it will not make you wise. You know, a wise person is not a perfect person, but is a person that knows Christ. And a wise person follows Christ. Everything in our culture today is directly assault against the truth, against Christ, against those things. So when we follow our own desires, when we follow our own thoughts, our own hearts, our feelings, one of, they, will, they will not lead you to where you need to go. They will fall short. How many times have you heard someone say this? Follow your heart. Bad advice. Bad advice. I'll confess, and, and I got kind of sucked into it. I hate to do it from here, but I will. It shows you that I'm human. Ever watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Okay, what a horrible, horrible show when you think about it. And you hear it a thousand times. Well, I'm just following my heart. Man, you're in for a train wreck. Because you know what the Bible says about the heart? It's evil. It's so anti-God, apart from Christ. And see, that's why you need Christ. That's why you need to be, receive Christ in your salvation, because he quickens you, makes you alive, and he renews your heart. And now you have the ability to see things clearly. And, and when you follow your heart guided through the word of God, because, see, the heart, according to the Bible, is part of man's spiritual makeup. It is the place where emotions, desires begin, and that which drives the will of men and women into action. And see, if you're following your own you're in for trouble. You need the wisdom of God. So let me ask you, what are you depending on for life, for wisdom? I would define it as the ability to live in right relationship to how things actually are. So who are you listening to? Are you following, what are you following and trusting to see things as they actually are? See, that's the real question. Is it the news? Do you believe everything that you're told? Is it your friends? Is it your heart? Or are you guys that gut feeling? You, are you depending on that for truth? I hope it's not me. Because I am imperfect. Just ask my family. I will eventually fail you. Because I'm not Jesus. Because I'm sinful. But we want to be like Paul. Who says what? Follow me as I follow Christ. See wisdom. See, often the things we desire and want in life are the very things that we look and seek after. Uh, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And often we seek the things, listen, that wisdom which Jesus Christ will provide without seeking wisdom itself. And you can't receive the blessing or the benefit of wisdom apart from Jesus Christ. Because wisdom is lacking in our culture. And the desire to have wisdom is really hardly seen anymore. But the better question is, what are you pursuing? Chapter 8 shows you who wisdom is, Jesus Christ. Chapters 3 and 4 kind of show you how do you get wisdom and how do you pursue wisdom? How do you embrace it? So in chapter 3, Proverbs, starting in verse 13, it says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding. Now listen to what it says about wisdom. This is about Jesus Christ. For she is more profitable than silver and yields a better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. 
but yet we have all these desires that we pursue apart from Jesus. Then verse 16 says, Long life is in her right hand, and in her left are riches and honor. Right is always a position of honor. Right is always a position of power. And her left hand is riches. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Five things you get from wisdom, which is found in Jesus Christ. Long life, power, prosperity, that's the the one hand. Riches, the other hand. But you also get honor, pleasure, and peace. What are the things that we seek after? Those are the things that we seek after, even in our flesh. Even the world wants these things. But they fail to realize it's only found in Jesus Christ. So how do you get it? I'm going to ask my volunteers to come up. I have a couple that's going to come up. We're going to demonstrate this for you uh, before I close. But it says in verse uh, 5 of 4, it says, Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. In the beginning, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all that you have. Get understanding. Cherish her. And she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Come on over here, Daniel. This is, this is our picture of grace and wisdom in Scripture. So she's going to stand here, and I just want you to hold your hands up for a second. We're going to talk about it. And so we saw that in these hands were the things that I described. Okay. It says that, you know, in her right hand uh, is long life. So long life, honor, position, all these things that we seek in life. And in this hand, left hand, riches, things that we need, things that we want. And this is the picture of Christ for application in our life. So come on over here. And I want you to embrace your wife. What's the natural response if you were to embrace her and give her a hug? Just do it. Okay, she's like, praise God, he's finally embraced me. No, but go go ahead and hold that. Now, I want you to see something. I love this guy here. We've become good friends. Uh, He's he's embracing wisdom. What, What can he not see? He cannot see these things. But they're holding him up. They're sustaining him. That's how you embrace Christ. So you don't look to these things. You look to Christ and all those things. Give them a hand. They did a good job showing that, didn't they? Thank you. Embracing Jesus Christ. If you look to the Lord, these things will then pursue you. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't make it difficult. He doesn't hide his word so you have to try to... He gives you a simple picture. Jesus is like, look, I've done everything for you. Just embrace me. Let me hold you. I have these things that will embrace you and sustain you. And it's free. But if you chase after these things without embracing me, you'll never get them. But if you trust me, you won't even have to look. I will sustain you. I will provide for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Embrace Christ. When you embrace wisdom as this is pictured, 
you'll get what he holds. Four says that you must cherish her and she'll exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. The question is, how are you chasing after it? Are you doing it, as four says, to get wisdom at all cost? And that's God's economy is not worldly economy. It's just not. It's totally the opposite. To receive, you must give. To find your life, you must lose it. It goes against everything in me, in my flesh. That's why my heart is so evil. But when Christ governs my heart and it's filtered to the word of God and with Jesus in that relationship, I get understanding to live how things actually are. I see it for what it is. You know, Socrates, there's a story of a young guy who was seeking wisdom, went to Socrates, and he was, he goes, Socrates, I want wisdom. So he takes him out to the ocean. They get, you know, shoulder depth, and Socrates plunges him under the water for like a minute and pulls him up. And he's like, what do you seek? Wisdom, knowledge. So he dunks him again, holds him longer, brings him up. What do you want? Wisdom, knowledge. He does it again, and it happens, and finally he holds him down till like the bubbles almost stop. And he pulls him up, and he says, what is it you seek? Air. And Socrates says, when you seek wisdom as much as you sought air, then you'll get it. And that's what Scripture says. Get wisdom, though it costs all that you have. Get understanding. Cherish her. So let me ask you. Where's your wisdom coming from? What are you seeking? In those areas I talked about, time, talent, treasure, relationships, everything. If those things aren't fulfilled in your life, they're not what you want. You're following the wrong wisdom. Follow God. And what you'll find, it's not easy, but it's worth it. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, a ton of them. But the longer I've served God, the longer that I've trusted God, the longer I've yielded his areas of my life to his wisdom, the better my life has become. And it's contrary to what the world thinks. And you may be in a situation where you think there's no hope. I'm telling you, embrace Jesus Christ. If you're visiting with us, your home, find a good church where, that's, where you can make connections and you can have brothers and sisters to help you in that walk and you embrace Christ together because this world will swallow you up apart from Jesus Christ. But with him, the world's defeated in your life because Jesus has overcome it all. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, God, we pray that as we go through this new collection of proverbs, of wisdom, God, I pray that we would yield every area of our life to you, that we would pursue Jesus Christ with everything, that we'd pursue him at all costs, that we would realize that it is more precious than anything this world could possibly offer, and that you want us to embrace you so that you can sustain us, that you can allow us to live life according to how things actually are, and that true wisdom is yielding our life to Christ and obeying him. 
And Lord, he'll take us to places we perhaps wouldn't go, but it'll be safe. It'll be because Jesus has already walked there. He'll take us to extraordinary things in our life that we would never choose, but they'll be great because you are already there. And we'll have a testimony and a life that will demonstrate the power and victory of Jesus in our life. Even through the difficult times, you will get glory, you'll get honor, and you'll use our life to be a light of wisdom and truth in a world that so desperately needs it. I pray for each person that's here or listening to this online that whatever area that they may be struggling in, that they would seek you, that they would cry out to you, that they would wrap their arms around Jesus, that Jesus would hold them and embrace them and sustain them with his honor and long life and riches and power and grace and mercy and all the fruits of the Spirit that are freely given to us if we just seek you with all of our heart. Lord, you are so good to us. We praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.